topic number five of a five-part series. I'm glad that you're here with us today. Welcome to those who are on Facebook Live with us. Um, I'm glad that you're here. As we've begun each of the weeks of this series, I've tried to be as honest as possible and to let you know that I am a broken person. I have had moments in my life where I have felt like I was drowning. If you don't believe that's true, please go back and listen to week number one of this series on SoundCloud because you'll, get, you'll understand if you listen to that. Um, so I've let you know that every week. And also every week I've asked you a similar question. Now if you're our guest today, you are off the hook. There is no reason for you to feel pressure to respond at all. But if you're comfortable with this, this morning I just simply ask you this question. <coughs> Excuse me. How many of you in your life have felt like at moments that you have been broken? Would you raise your hand? How many of you in your life at moments maybe have felt like you have been drowning in life, in some area of life? And so I am not alone. You can put your hands down. Thank you for responding because that lets me know I'm not alone. I'm not by myself in this. And it also helps me to understand that we really are, as a church, we're the perfect place for imperfect people. People like me, imperfect. People like you. That is just who we are. And so I ask this question. Does that feeling that we're the perfect place for imperfect people, is that just kind of an accident that that has happened? Is that just kind of a byproduct? I mean, did we simply just start doing church? Did we just begin this in 2010 and it just kind of happened? Or are we just trying to be weird? As a church, are we just trying, I mean, clearly I'm weird. Are we just trying to be different? Are we trying to be weird and different just so that we can be called weird and different? Is that what this is all about? As we started this church, did we just kind of wing it and say, hey, let's just give this a shot and see what happens? You know, the reality is we had a very specific plan as we started Stuttgart Harvest Church. We had a plan from the very beginning, and our plan was to connect broken and perhaps people who felt like they were drowning, to connect broken and drowning people to God through Jesus Christ, and to see God begin to change them. And to see God begin to change them and then use them to see other people in their lives and around their lives changed as well. And we knew that that could happen. We knew it could happen because that's exactly what God was doing and still is doing in my life today and in the lives of those who started this church. And for Stuttgart Harvest Church, it kind of looks like this. We believe in grace. In fact, it's a grace that says from God to you, God says, Jesus says, come to me just as you are. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to get your life right. You don't have to get all the things that are wrong and make them right. You come just as you are. And in fact, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we say the same thing for our church. We say, you come to this church. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about this building. This is just a building. The church is made up of the people. You come and be a part of these people called the church. 
called Stuttgart Harvest Church. You come just as you are. You don't have to get things right. You don't have to get it all straightened out. You don't have to get it all cleared up. You just come as you are, and that's God's grace. And also for us, then we add to that, we add to God's grace, we add His truth. And God's truth says this to you and me. God says, I love you too much to leave you the way I found you. I love you too much to leave you in that brokenness in which I found you. I love you too much to leave you drowning the way you were drowning when I found you. God's grace plus God's truth. And we add to that at Stuttgart Harvest Church, time. Grace plus truth plus time. And we say, you you come and you be a part and you worship with us. You be a part of this church over the course of time. As we worship God, God slowly from the inside out begins to change us. He makes those changes. Grace plus truth plus time. And we say this, minus us. In other words, we step out of the way. We step out of the way and we say, I'm going to step outside of myself, outside of what I want, outside of my own needs, and I'm going to look to the needs of others and I'm going to begin to serve them. We say at Stuttgart Harvest Church that we don't wait until we get our lives all in order. We don't wait until we get better and then we begin to serve. No, no, no. We say this. We serve in order to get better. Grace plus truth plus time minus us. And then we add one more thing too. We add others plus others. Because we believe that if we... Uh, we believe this. We will never grow more and more and more like Jesus if we keep the church, the people, at an arm's distance. We believe God wants us, as we said last week, to, to drive a few relationships inside the church very deep. So it's grace plus truth plus time minus us plus others, and today we're adding one more thing plus change. Now, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we, we are all about change. We, we are all about several types of change. The first type of change, we're, we're really about changing how we do what we do and sometimes what we do so that we can be more and more and more effective. There's a very specific reason why in this building we don't have pews. A very specific reason. It's not by accident. There's a very specific reason why this room often, as we meet on Sunday mornings, is rather dark in here. There's a very specific reason why we keep this room mostly dark on Sunday mornings. It's not by accident. There's a very specific reason why the chair that you are sitting in has a very high back. A tall back chair. There's a reason why we do that. And this all has to do with change. There's also a reason why we frequently will change our meeting times. We have gone uh, from one meeting time. When we were in the movie theater, we went to two. There was a season in there for a very specific reason. We went to three meeting times on Sunday morning. 
And then we went to four meeting times on a Sunday morning at the movie theater for a period of time. Then we went back to three, and we changed it up and went to two. There have been times that we have gone back to one again. We change things. In fact, we also change where we meet. We have met in my home. We have met in Chris and Judy's home. We have met in many, many different places. Uh, we've also, I believe, met in Cole's home. We have met in the building we used to call the Harvest House, but now um, it is called Roots Salon. We have met there many times. We have met uh, in the movie theater. We have met in the bowling alley. We have met in the two rooms between Larry's Pizza and the movie theater. We have also met at the Grand Prairie Center. We've met all over. We, we've met at the two big parks, outdoor parks here in Stuttgart. We've met there. We have also met at uh, the softball fields and the baseball fields. We have met even on a Sunday downtown in Stuttgart, outside, down at the, the stage downtown. We have met all over. And I would say this. You have got to be among the smartest people in the South. Most definitely the smartest people that I know of because you have to be smart enough to figure out where we are meeting and when we are meeting and to be there because we've met in so many different places at so many different times. You're brilliant. <laughs> You're brilliant. Stuttgart Harvest Church, we value change because we understand this. When we don't change what we do and how we do it, when we don't change, we get very comfortable and if you stay comfortable long enough walking back and forth in that same comfortable path, that path becomes a track. And before long, that track becomes what? It becomes a rut. If you don't change. And if it becomes a rut, it becomes very difficult to change. So at Stuttgart Harvest Church, with the things that we do and how we do it, we keep jumping the tracks so that those don't become ruts. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, we change things that worked at one time, but maybe don't work so well anymore. We change that. We do it differently then. We change things that, that, that have been an experiment that we tried and discovered that didn't work at all, not even once. We change that. Do you know that we even change things at Stuttgart Harvest Church and the way we do them, even when it's working really well? We change that and do it differently. We change even the things that work because we value change. In fact, we have a huge change coming up, an exciting change, but we'll talk about that next week. We change. We value change. We like it. It keeps us as a church on our toes. It, it, it keeps us improving it keeps us moving forward it keeps us fresh it keeps it keeps us well it keeps us changing so we change we change how we do what we do so that we can be more and more and more effective but change means something else for us change also means that god changes us 
over the course of time. And He does that so that we can see one day God-style multiplication. So He changes us. But before He does, we need some very specific personal change. Now, this is one of the power verses in the Bible, a power passage. And it certainly is for Stuttgart Harvest Church. It's one that you hear us talk about frequently because this is one of a few passages that really are guiding passages for how we do everything that we do. So it's a power passage. You hear us talk about it a lot. Let me, let me read it to you, starting with Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. So this guy walks up to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment? In the law of Moses, he asked. And Jesus replies to him, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. He says this is the first and the greatest commandment. So here's what Jesus is saying, basically. There's a change that is in order. The change is, it's a change from this life is all about me and my family to this life is about God. It's about loving God with all of who I am. This life is not just about me and my family. It's about loving God. Because when I love God with all of who I am, all of my heart and my mind and my soul, all of me, then I am more likely to love my family correctly. This life is about loving God. And there's a change that God wants to make in my heart. He's still making that in my heart. And He wants to make in your heart, in your life. From this is about me and my family to change. This is all about God. This life is all about God. That's one change. And God wants to make that in your life. You see, it, for us, it is much more natural to say, this is about me. And God slowly changes over the course of time our focus from me and my family to Him. I would say the very fact that you're here with us this morning, that you're here with us on Facebook Live, that you're here with us in this theater, this morning, the fact that you're here would tell me that you are open to God making that kind of change in your life, a change from this is about me and my family to God, this is about you. None of us have arrived, but I, I would say... That, that leads me to believe that you are open to that kind of change in your life. It's a lifelong process, and we value that kind of change. We hold that kind of change up high. And I would say quite clearly that I am in the middle of that. I have not arrived. God is still in the process of doing that in my life today right now. So, as God begins making that change in our lives, God also is at work doing something else. He goes on in verse 39. He says a second is equally important. A second command is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on in verse 40, and he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, he said, are based on these two commands. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you do these two things, love God with all of who you are and then love all the people around you like you love yourself, if you do those two things, you are fulfilling all the requirements 
that God has in the Scripture for you, in all the Bible. That's pretty amazing. So as you begin to change, allowing God to change you to love God with all of who you are, God immediately begins this second change in your life. He doesn't wait until the first one is all done and you're loving God with everything. Nope, He does it immediately, both of these at the same time. He makes both of these changes. One is from a focus of me and my family, then to God instead. The second one, then, is from me and my family to other people around me. Now, here's an important point, though. In order for God to really begin changing those things in you and those things in me, there are some changes that we have to make. There are some decisions we have to make. God is going to take care of those big changes, but there are some things that we have to decide and change for ourselves as well. We have to change from a people who make excuses. That's what we have to do. There's a couple of things. There are people who make excuses. Most of us have fallen prey to that on occasion. An excuse maker says, this is why I can't do that. This is why I can't participate in that. This is why you can't change me here, God. This is why I can't do what you're asking. This is why I can't. This, this, this. These are why I can't. These are the reasons I can't. And for an excuse maker, if God comes along or someone else in their life comes along and answers that excuse, solves that excuse for them. In other words, that is no longer an excuse. Here's the answer. That's no longer an excuse. An excuse maker, guess what? Guess what's behind that excuse that was just solved? Another excuse. And you solve that one, guess what's behind that? Another excuse. Another excuse. As opposed to an obstacle Someone who has an obstacle, a real reason why they can't do something or they think they can't, when that is solved, that obstacle is solved, they go do it. But for an excuse maker, hmm, there's another excuse. And the excuses are never ending. And here's an important point. Do you know what God can do with an excuse maker? Nothing. Nothing. We have to decide that we will stop making excuses and that we will just go. Because God's not going to force it. That is a change that we must decide for ourselves. I will stop making excuses. You know, after Jesus died... They put him in the tomb. Then three days later, he walked out of that tomb alive again, his heart beating. He didn't walk out as a spirit. He didn't walk out as a ghost. He walked out with his heart beating again. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he met with hundreds and hundreds of his followers. He taught them. He ate with them. He encouraged them. He challenged them. And then 
when he was about to leave, they knew it was coming. They knew this was where it was headed because he had been telling them this. When it was about time for him to leave, to return to heaven, he was physically not going to be on this earth any longer. He was going to return, be with his Father in heaven. They knew it was coming. They knew they were in for some big changes. They knew they were in for something big to be different. Because Jesus would no longer be walking physically with them on this earth. This happened. Let's read this. Matthew chapter 28. Let's read a couple of verses here. So Jesus told them to go meet him somewhere. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So his disciples went there. Go to the next verse. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Now, a lot of times we just don't even include this when we tell this story. We just sail right on past it and get to the good stuff because there's some really good stuff following this. We're going to get to that, but we have to pause here because some of his closest followers, those who had been with him the most, those who knew him the most, they began to doubt they doubted. And this was the Jesus that they saw die. And they saw living, heart beating again, standing among them, eating with them, spending time with them. They began to doubt. Now this is huge. Some of his most, most faithful, most loyal. I, I can only imagine they're thinking to themselves, Jesus, I mean... I have a feeling of what's coming. And I don't think, Jesus, I don't think I can carry this on. I, I, I don't think that I'm up for this, Jesus. I don't think I can do this. I, Jesus, I really think you have the wrong person. Jesus, I don't know enough people. I don't know enough people. I don't speak in front of people. What am I going to say? I don't get up in front of people and talk. I can't tell people to follow you, Jesus. When you're not standing here, who am I going to tell them to follow? Ah, Jesus, I, I can't influence people. They're not going to listen to me. Jesus, you've, you've got the wrong person. And if you haven't noticed, Jesus, I keep failing. I am a loser. I am worthless. Jesus, I am no good. And if you look at my record, I am too bad to do anything for you. Jesus, I am broken. And I am drowning. You've got the wrong person. They doubted. But honestly, those are all excuses. Those are all just reasons why I can't. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to change. We cannot be people who make excuses, continual reasons for why I can't. 
And we have to instead begin to view these things as obstacles that can be overcome. So Jesus isn't through. Some of them doubted, and it goes on, it goes on, because they're beginning to make excuses. Jesus goes on in verse 18. Listen to this. Let's read this. Jesus came. After that, after they began to doubt, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he goes on. He says, therefore, go. Jesus said, he said, listen, guys, I am all you need. I have all the power in heaven. It's been given to me. And it is enough for you here, right here on this earth. It's enough. No excuses. He said, and besides that, all the power on this earth, even though I am not going to be physically standing there right beside you, all the power on this earth, guess what? He said, I'm giving you some of that. You have what you need. No more excuses. I want you to just go. And where does he want you to go? He wants you to go everywhere to the ends of the earth. And that's for us too. He goes on in verse 19. He says, therefore, go. He says, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's not done yet. He says next, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, he said, I am with you even to the end of the age. All the excuses are gone. Here's another change we have to make. Not only do we have to make the change where we say, I'm going to stop making excuses for why I can't. We have to also change our perspective. We have to move from kind of a to-do list of what I have to do to get through my day, what I have to do to get everything uh, for my day done, everything for my family today done. I have to change from thinking about the here and now, to thinking about eternity. I can no longer just think about, I've got to go to work so I can pay my bills. It's no longer just about the day. We have to think about eternity. Because He told us to go and make disciples. He said, we, we can't just think about our day and our work and what we have to do to pay our bills for this month. He said, we have to think about the eternity, eternal thinking. We have to change from thinking about just today to thinking about eternity and the souls of men. He said, go and make disciples. And that is all about grace. Jesus said, come to me just as you are. You don't have to straighten up first. You just come. And at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we say, you just come. And he has told us to go and tell the world, just show up at the feet of Jesus. 
We can't just think about paying our bills any longer. We have to think about eternity. It's more than just making sure that you and your children and your family follow Jesus. It's not enough to just think about getting our family connected to the church and connected eternally to God through Jesus. It's not just about us and our family. He said we have to think about everyone around us. Those people. There and there and there. All the people around us. That's where we must put our effort. And that's the truth. The grace says just come at the feet of Jesus. And the truth says Jesus loves you too much to leave you in the brokenness and the hurt in which He finds you. And over the course of time, just keep showing up at the feet of Jesus. Keep showing up at the feet of Jesus. Join us as a church showing up at the feet of Jesus. And over the course of time, He makes those changes in our lives. That's what we're all about at Stuttgart Harvest Church. That is our focus. That is who we are. Some churches do a whole lot of things, and that's great. That's what God has called them to do. But at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we have been called to try to focus on just a few things and to do those to the best of our ability, to focus. And we want to do that a little bit better every year, a little bit better every year. Those things we focus on, acceptance. And we value you as a creation of God. And that's what grace is all about. Just show up as you are. About service. This is we want to step outside of ourselves. We serve. We don't get better and then begin to serve. We serve in order to get better. We focus on worship. If you will connect yourselves to the church over the course of time, with every decision we make. It's not just what happens on Sunday. As a church, every decision we make when we're at home, when we're at work, every decision we make is an opportunity to worship God with our decision, to worship God with our life, to begin to learn to give God our all, to love Him with all of who we are. That's over the course of time. And then there are the others, the community of the church, not talking about the community of Stuttgart, the community of Stuttgart Harvest Church. As we are called not to hold the people of the church at an arm's distance, but slowly, over the course of time again, learning how to grow a few relationships. It's not everybody, but somehow grow a few relationships very deep. And again, this is our focus. We're not trying to do everything, we're trying to do those few things. And in doing so, God begins to change us from the inside out. And, and we as a church change how we do things so that we can do it better. And we as individuals decide, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to change what I can change. And that is, I'm going to quit making excuses. And I'm going to change my perspective from this is just about me and my family to this is about God. This is about others. And when we do all of that, the result is God-style multiplication. God takes broken men and women 
like me and like you. God takes those people who feel like they are drowning and he begins to change them from the inside out and he begins to infuse them with his purpose. And that is who Stuttgart Harvest Church is. We are simply trying to say, God's grace says, come just as you are. God's truth says to us, I love you too much to leave you the way I found you. And over the course of time, God will make those changes in your life if you stay there, if you hang in there. And then we minus ourselves and we say, I'm going to learn to serve other people. And then we add other people and say, I'm going to grow a few relationships deep. And we say, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change. And all of that equals God-style multiplication. You see, the church will grow. The church will multiply. That's God's plan. That's what He's put into effect, into work. It's God's plan. It takes grace plus truth plus time minus ourselves plus others plus change. And it equals God's style multiplication, always. But you say, Harley, Harley, you, you know, I hear what you're saying, but you don't, you don't understand me. I can't be a part of that because I am broken. You don't know how broken I am, Harley. Okay. Okay. I get it. You're broken. I understand. But Jesus was broken too. Jesus was broken. Do you realize before Jesus was arrested, before He was going to be tried and go to the cross, when He was in the garden, before He was arrested, He was under such immense emotional stress and turmoil because He, was getting, he knew what was coming. He was under such stress that the capillaries in his, in his face, in His head, began to burst. And some in his body, and, and the Bible describes it that it was like he was sweating drops of blood because blood was coming out of his sweat gland. Jesus was broken. But right there, in that moment, in all of that brokenness, Jesus said, But God, Father, not my will, but yours. And just moments later, Jesus was arrested. And they tortured him for the rest of the night. He was tortured. Incredible, unbelievable torture. Jesus was broken for us. He was broken for you. He was broken for me. And yes, we are broken too. We are broken by our sin. But Jesus was broken because of our sin. Jesus was broken. You say, but Harley, I, I'm drowning. I, I am drowning. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm going under in this life, and I'm not sure I'm going to come back up again. I feel like I'm drowning. And Jesus was drowning too. Jesus was drowning too. He was drowning for us. Jesus was nailed upon the cross that He carried. And Jesus was going to die. A horrible, horrible death. 
but it was not an accident. It was no accident. He was dying a death of his design, of his plan. But Jesus was going to drown on that cross. From the horrible beating, that torture that he took all night long, that took him close to death, Now Jesus hanging on the cross, knowing death was next. Jesus on that cross was going to drown. He was going to drown in His own blood. And drown in the fluids that were gathering and collecting in His lungs. And gathering and collecting around His heart. Jesus was drowning. And He was drowning for us. And that day, He drowned. He died. But three days later, He defeated death and He walked out of that tomb, out of that grave, alive, just as He predicted. And now God's Word is telling us this. That the power of that healed a broken Jesus. The power that raised a drowned Jesus back to life is the power, the same power, that is now changing you in your life. It's the same. And I'm asking you this. Will you commit to be part of this family? Will you commit to help us to be what God has planned for Stuttgart Harvest Church to be from long, long ago. Will you help us? Two specific questions. Will you, alongside of us, learn how to love God with all of who you are? Right here. Every single week with us, will you love God? Learn how to do it with all of who you are, allowing Him to change you from the inside out. And here's the second thing. Will you love others with us? Everywhere you go, will you commit with us to be God's grace that says, come just as you are? To be God's truth that says He loves you too much to leave you how He found you. Over the course of time, God will change your life. Will you say that with us? Will you minus yourself and step outside of your own needs and your own desires and begin to love and serve the people around you? And then will you add to that others inside of the church as you grow relationships very deep, a few relationships? And then will you add to that change? And that will all equal a God-style multiplication. Will you join us? If you will, as I pray, let me know on the back of your connection card. If there's a box there that applies to you, check it. If not, write down what your heart is saying. Let's pray. Jesus, you replied to your disciples that we must love the Lord 
our God with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our mind. You said that's the first and the greatest commandment. The other is equal, that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And then you also told your disciples that all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Therefore, we must go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that we weren't to stop there, but we were to teach these new disciples to obey all of your commands. But God, we feel like we can't because we're broken. We feel like we can't because we're drowning. God, remind us that the power that healed the brokenness of Jesus, the power that healed the drowned life of Jesus, is the same power that you have changing our lives. And you said, be sure of this. You said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, because of that, we can have your grace and extend it to Take off.